No fish have been harmed in the making of this podcast. Welcome aboard, everybody, as we get this podcast underway. Let me cast off a few lines and we'll get underway. Thank you for joining Talking Bass in PDX, the bass and warm water fishing, as we talk fishing in the Northwest. Hi, I'm Don Clark, and I'll be your host. On this episode of Talking Bass in PDX, I have Scott Turley. Scott is a local angler that will be talking about bass fishing. But before we get to him, let me talk to you about Talking Bass in PDX, the podcast. The podcast is becoming more and more popular every episode. And if you enjoy talking about fishing in the Northwest, help us grow by telling your friends about the podcast, and then we can be heard on Spotify, Anchor FM, and on iTunes. The word is spreading. Our audience is growing every day. So thanks to everyone for helping me grow Talking Bass in PDX. Now, before we get to our interview, I had a couple of emails come in that I thought were very good questions. I thought that they were going to be very easy to answer. However, when I started looking at them, they're not easy to answer. So let's give it a whirl here and see how we can answer a couple of questions for listeners that have emailed in. The first one was, how long is fishing line good on your reel? Well, I thought that that was going to be an easy one to answer. However, there's not an official answer. I did some research. I also contacted an expert in the tackle business. Thank you, bud, for helping me with this one. There are several factors to consider as to how long fishing line will last. The first, of course, is usage. And then, most importantly, how you store your rod and reel with the line on it. If you're fishing several times a week, then as it starts to look weathered, ragged, or the line is getting low on your spool, then it's time to change it. On the other hand, if you're a weekend angler, then you should be getting about a year out of monofilament. But again, you want to make sure that you're storing your rod and reel in a dark, cool place to keep the ultraviolet ray off of that line. So make sure that you're storing your rod and reel in in a cool and dark place to extend the life of the fishing line. For me, at least once a season, I go out and change the line on each of my reels, although I must say that there are some that several times a year I will go out and change them because I like to try different lines. However, I do keep a backing on most of my reels so that I do not have to purchase large quantities of line. And question number two, does unused fishing line go bad? Well, fishing line, if it is stored properly, especially mono and braid, can go bad if it has been never taken out of the package and not stored properly. If you keep them in a hot place and they are exposed to extreme heat and sunlight, yep, they'll go bad. However, according to my research and according to my tackle expert, uh, Bud Hartman, if they are stored properly, they will last several years. So I hope that's helped everybody with a couple of questions that I got in. And if you have questions that you would like me to research, find the answer to, send me an email at gonefishingpdx at gmail.com and we'll put your questions on the podcast. Now, Scott grew up in Idaho and as a young man, he moved over to the Portland area back in the 1980s. 
as Scott will be talking about on the interview, he started fishing from the bank. But as he got into having a boat, he got hooked on bass, and I mean big bass. He loves to go out and fish for the large size bass, and you will hear from his interview that that's what he's going for. So, without any more delay, let's get to the interview of Scott Turley. Well, hey, Scott, welcome aboard the Talking Bass in PDX podcast today. How are you? I'm doing well. It's good to be here today. Good. Yeah, I know that a lot of folks, as they listen to this podcast, are going to know that we're not fishing right now, and there's not much we can do about it for the moment. So, I thought I'd start stuff off with, uh, when did you get started fishing, and how long ago was it? I guess, I grew up in uh, southern Idaho, and probably lived maybe a mile and a quarter from the Snake River. So been as long as I can remember when my oldest brother and I uh, were able to walk down there by ourselves. We used to go down and drown worms, catch carp, chubs, bullheads, anything that anything that would bite down there off, off the railroad bridge there in Burley, Idaho. So that's where I got my start. And so. <laughs> Yeah, so what got you interested in bass fishing? Oh, when I was probably in my early teen years, I used to watch Fishing with Orlando Wilson on TV a lot. And I just thought that was the neatest thing, pitching worms and jigs and stuff into cover and pulling out monster bass down south. And I was just enamored with it, I guess, for lack of a better term. I I just thought it was the neatest thing. And that was kind of more replicated hunting than fishing. Uh, where I grew up in Idaho, trout fishing was the big thing. So everybody... So, so even on the Snake River, a lot of people did uh, trout fishing? Yes, yeah, so there below Minidoka Dam was uh, quite a big... They used to catch quite a few large trout there in the wintertime. Oh, um, okay. So I thought that the Snake River had quite a bass population in it. Or has that been more recent years? That had to do with as soon as I moved away, they decided to plant them there. Oh, so those those fish actually got planted there. They were planted by Idaho Fish and Game. I moved out here in 87 to Oregon, mm-hmm. and it was soon after that, in that area that I grew up in, they started planting smallmouth bass. They planted walleye in Oakley Reservoir, which is about 25 miles from where I grew up. Oh. Started enhancing the warm water fishing oh, in I southern not, Idaho. did not know that. That is that is interesting. So now you move over to the to the Portland area uh, when you moved, or or were you living? In yeah, I lived in Portland area. I first lived in uh, Troutdale Gresham area, and then and then uh, moved into Portland. And so now that period of time, now you started fishing warm water fish, bass specifically, right? Uh, well, when I first moved out here, I did a lot of rock hopping along the Columbia River. I didn't have a boat back then, and used to. Uh, fish for smallmouth off all the riprap along the Columbia River along the freeway. Did that. I chased salmon and steelhead a lot for many years. You know, I had to get sure. into that when I got out here. That was the end thing to do. So, Also, I didn't realize that you had been a bank fisherman there for a while. That's interesting. And and so once you got a boat, now you're targeting both largemouth and smallmouth regularly right yes once i got a boat i I kind of inherited a small 10-foot livingston was my starter boat so i used to haul it down the yamhill river i fished a lot uh used to haul it up fish the john day arm uh the john day river there and 
Oh, so you fished the, the Yamhill quite a bit then? Yes, I have. Huh? Ah, and very successfully? Yes, caught some pretty nice smallmouth in there. A couple of my biggest smallmouth came out of the Yamhill, and there was largemouth in there both, have and you, large crappie as well. Have you done much fishing in the Tualatin? I've been in there two times that I remember, and the two times we did, we caught some pretty nice largemouth in there. Oh, okay. I have caught some smallmouth in there, but I have not caught any largemouth in there. Been, I've caught a lot of other things. It's been several years. Uh, the guy that I fished in the Yamhill had a John boat with a jet on it so that we could go through the shallower areas. Oh, okay. And uh, so that's how I fished the Tualatin. Oh, okay. And so then you've graduated up now to where you have a, a decent-sized boat. But I've noticed that you like going to Washington more than Oregon. Is there a particular reason for that? Uh, it's just where I live. I'm close to the border. Uh, I really love largemouth fishing. That is my favorite thing to do. And uh, the closest places that, to fish the way that I like to fish are in Washington for me. So I tend to gravitate that way. And, well, I'll ask you this first, and then we'll get on to the to the next the, the tougher questions. Now, we can almost fish 12 months a year here. Do you fish in the, in the wintertime, or do you sort of stop and and take a break? I fish as much as I can in the winter. Um, I kind of, my strategy in the winter is watching weather windows. Uh, look for these short warming trends yeah. and kind of follow them. And when I am when I go out in the winter, I'm going out looking for, uh, I'm not looking for numbers. I'm looking for one big bite or two big bites. I want to catch a big one. That is my whole strategy in the wintertime. What is your personal best, by the way? Seven pounds, 11 ounces. Got me beat by a, by a long ways. <laughs> and um, so as you're, now we're, we're kind of early spring and we've started and now it's stopped again, but um, what's your favorite bait? What do you like to use? Uh, my, kind of my go-to bait when I'm pitching is uh, Reaction Innovations Double Wide Beaver when I'm uh, fishing for, walt, for largemouth. Um, especially in the springtime, uh, when it gets more to the summer, I'll put something on that's got more uh, action to it. You know, more curly tail. Mm. The the double white beavers, the flappers are they're flat, so they don't get a lot of action. It's more subtle, which I believe is better in colder water and early spring. It's been a really good bait for me. It's caught a lot of nice fish on it. So. Yeah. Now I noticed that you have caught. Uh, a large, a large mouth already that's over 20 inches, am I right? Yes, it was 21 and a half, if I remember correctly. Okay. Six pounds back in January. And what were you using to catch that? That was caught on a Reaction Innovations Double White Beaver. Okay. And that was in Washington, though, right? That was in Washington. Yeah. That was going out where I was following the weather trend. Saw an opening. In fact, it was kind of a funny story. I was at breakfast with fellows in the club. And I was planning on going fishing that day, and I looked at the weather while I was sitting there at breakfast, and I saw that the it was going to be a pre-front condition. It had been fairly nice for a few days, and we had weather moving in, and it was supposed to move in about 1 o'clock. So I just stood up, guys, it's pre-front conditions. i got to go. I uh, went out to the lake, launched my boat, second cast, 21.5 inch, 6 pound plus largemouth. So. Wow, so you got it right away. Yes. Wow. And that was out of Lackamas Lake? That was out of Lackamas Lake, okay. yes. 
Wow. Now, have you been back up and been able to fish it before the uh, before the, the stoppage here that we're in? I was fishing. I'm not sure if I've been to Lachmas. I've probably been there. No, I don't think I have. I've started fishing Horseshoe Lake a little, looking for the mythical giant largemouth that's supposed to be in there. So I fished that one a couple times. And yeah. I've been to Silver Lake. I was at Silver Lake last weekend. And you've done well at Silver Lake in the past. I don't know if early in this year you're doing well, but... Uh, my first trip up last weekend, I got six bites. So I landed three of them. Um, took took me later in the day before I found them. It took me a while to find them. I, lo- I had a few bites on docks that I wasn't able to connect and pull out. And then uh, it's probably five o'clock in the evening. I went to kind of the far upper reaches up uh, at the mouth of Sucker Creek and I hit three fish right away. Bang, I thought, oh, I, you know, I found this big school and hit the mother load. But they weren't, uh, you weren't bringing them in, it huh? Was, it was three quick bites, um, landed two of them, and then fished around that, and then I went to another cove that was similar in structure of that and caught one more. Mm-hmm. And most of these are all on uh, a beaver tail, right? This they were all on, all of those fish that I caught that day were on the okay. double wide beaver. I did have a few bites on the docks with a hot rod tube. Mm. Now I've seen you fish before, and I know that you also like to like to throw some topwater baits. Is that more towards summertime that you'll start doing that? Yeah, I will start throwing topwater. Probably when the water reaches at least upper 50s and the fish are at least starting to get into spawn mode. I think I'm, I may start experimenting on maybe a little earlier, especially in the shallower lakes. Okay. Uh, but uh, generally wait till you know, May, June. That's when it really starts to take off. Now, for those of you that are listening that may not be in the Portland metro area, a lot of the lakes that that we're currently talking about are about an hour from Portland or so. So we're not talking things that are long distances. So it's, um, uh, it's, it's a drivable lake that you can get to and back in a day, right? Yes. Yes. So tell me what, other than the, uh, beaver tail, what's your favorite baits? What do you, what do you like to go through throughout the year? Kind of get, kind of walk me through the whole year. Um, I throw a lot of Cinco style baits, stick baits, whether it's the Senko brand or Yum Dingers, uh, fishing both Texas rig and Wacky rig, which I'll fish those year round. I like to throw them around docks, especially Wacky rig. I'll let it flutter. If it's kind of a more snaggy dock, then I'll throw Texas rig. I like to skip under it. A hot rod tube is one of my favorites, and I really like if I have a lot of cover that I have to skip under, I like to use that hot rod tube because it skips rather well. And what rod and reel do you like to use for, for that type of fishing? Use a 7-foot. If I'm fishing weightless, I have a 7-foot kind of a medium fast action. So it's got a lot of tip to it, so it throws a weightless bait really well. And but enough backbone to you know pull fish out of the cover that I'm throwing it into. Ah, okay. Because I've, I've just bought a 7-foot rod from um, um, St. Croix. And at first I was like, what am I going to do with this thing? Because I'm, I I fish a lot more of the 6.6 type stuff. So I'm going to have to try that because I don't really skip a lot of stuff under docks. 
So, but I, I know they're there, and I usually get close to the dock and get it under there. But yeah, that'll be interesting. That'll be really interesting. Do you like spring fishing better? Do you like fall fishing better? I uh, I like spring. The fact that when it gets around the spawn, the fish move up. That's a great time. But I, I generally like fishing year round. Um, fall, I've I've had some of my best bags as far as getting large fish in the fall. Uh, but spring is spring is tough to beat when the fish are moving up to the bank, getting ready for spawn, and they get more aggressive for you know be, before they bed, and uh, it's just it's just a great time. So they're, they're shallow and easier to find. Ah, now you're primarily fishing lakes, though. Do you fish much on the Willamette or the Columbia? I fish the Willamette a few times a year. I'll, I'll go down to the lower Willamette. Um, I don't fish the Columbia a whole lot in my boat. It's My boat's kind of narrow and not large, and I really don't feel comfortable out there if the wind comes up. But I have taken it out there a few times. And, and do you like the coastal lakes? I love the coastal lakes. The coastal lake's fun. Colby Lake, I like to go up there. Get the, you know, kinda, I, like, I like fishing lakes with stained water more okay. than I do fishing lakes with clear water. I like to fish big bulky baits. Or the fact that I like to catch, I'm I'm out there trying to catch bigger fish. Sure. And uh, so I like a big bulky bait. So I kind of kind of gravitate towards stained waters where water stained, the fish will lay more on cover to pick apart. Uh, okay, and so that's why you like Cullaby is because it is um, it's kind of off colored. I think it has a lot of a lot of uh, brush in it, doesn't it? It's got a lot of weeds. It's got a lot of laydowns. Is and uh, it's it's a fun lake to fish. Go down there, make a couple laps around it in a day, and yeah, it's it's a lake that you can that you can cover quite a bit of it in a day. Yes. Um, have you fished any of the lakes that are further south? Uh, I mean, everybody goes to Ten Mile, it seems like. Um, but have you fished any of the others? Uh, other than Ten Mile, I, I used to go down in the Eugene area and fish uh, Fall Creek Reservoir a lot. I haven't done it for a few years, but. I used to go down there quite a bit. There were some really nice largemouth, and uh, it's got a lot of steep, steep banks. So there's a lot of hopping worms and stuff down the steep banks, and a lot of stumps. They they did a good job with that lake when they built it, where they they cut the trees, they left all the stumps in there. So there's just some fantastic structure for largemouth to hang on. Uh, okay, I have not fished that. I'm, I I, I got to go down there and try that one. Um, now, I know that you have fished a few open tournaments in the past. Of course, this year with the things that are going on, and we don't have to say anything about the coronavirus, uh, but are you planning to fish any tur- any open tournaments if they come along? I don't have any plans to right now. I haven't really discussed it with anyone. Um, yeah, you know, if I get an invite, I'm, I'm always willing if I have the time. But yeah, well, I think this year is going to be so different, you know, and we're missing. It looks like right now we might be missing about a month's worth of fishing, and it's going to be about the best time of the year to go too. Unfortunately, it is yeah. right when the fish are going to be start moving up. Is yeah, but there's nothing we can do about it, so we can sit here and talk about it and tell stories about what we have done in the past. Now, I know you and I have fished together in the Multnomah Channel a few times, and uh, I know you've got 
some largemouth out there. Do you go out there on your own much, or is it usually when we're... No, the only time I ever go there is uh, for the all-species tournament. And, and for those listeners who are not familiar with the Oregon Bass and Panfish Club, uh, they hold a uh, an event each year that's called the All Species Challenge, and you're basically trying to catch 10 warm water species. You have to be a club member in order to participate in that, in that challenge. Uh, by the way, it's never been done. Uh, nine is the most that's ever been caught. So that's always a fun challenge. And if folks are interested, they can look up Oregon Bass and Panfish Club on the Internet, do a Google, uh, check out the club. And if they're interested in getting involved with, uh, with the challenge, join the club. It's very inexpensive. And come on out. Good bragging rights. I know that you and I have fished it together along with another club member and got second place. Uh, we were very close to winning that tournament. So would have been fun. Um, you know, you've been fishing a long time, and uh, what is the most unusual thing you've ever caught? Freshwater mussel, I guess. <laughs> I've heard all kinds of things. Yeah, that's the only thing I can think of. I'm trying to think of. I've pulled up rags and stuff like that. Nothing ever too weird, but catching a freshwater mussel, it was probably luck of just the thing fell in its mouth. <laughs> Yeah, when it was open, but it was it was kind of strange. Yeah, there you go. Though I mean, it, it, I've gotten everything. I've heard fenders, mirrors, all kinds of stuff. So I always ask because I think it's a interesting question. Now, with your boat, because you mentioned it was a little bit narrow, but have, have you set your boat up so that you can get into smaller water, or are you set up so that it works very well on lakes? Um, I could, it works really well for lakes and small water. I it's a 15-foot modified V-John boat, so it's flat bottom. I can go very shallow. I have a push-pull. If I know that I'm going to be fishing a lake that's shallow and I need to get back into something, I have a push-pull that I can use and pull my electric motor up and my other big motor up, and that flat bottom goes right over pads and everything. So it works out well for the, the fishing that I do. And up at uh, Silver Lake, now there's some pretty some water up there that's that's pretty shallow up there isn't there yes there is i think silver lake's about 12 feet at the deepest at the deepest spot so there's a lot of shallow shallow areas in that i'm assuming that lake warms up a little faster than some of the other lakes then yeah it does it, it, on the other side it also cools faster too because of the water so ah. when you have these warms up a little today but if it gets real cold at night it also cools down Oh, but, I see. So, so it can cool down faster because of that, because of the, the lack of the, depth. The lack of depth. So. Oh, okay. Now, there there are some other lakes that are closer than than uh, Silver Lake. Do you ever fish those, like Merwin? Or th- do those have bass or no? I Merwin does have bass. I have not fished it for bass, but I've caught bass there while fishing for tiger muskies. Oh. Which is kind of my other fun fish to chase. Tell, tell us a little bit about tiger muskie. Uh, I started fishing them maybe seven, eight years ago, uh, just because it's, uh, they're big, they're good-sized fish to catch. Uh, fun to fish for. It's a lot like largemouth. You're hunting. They they tend to hang around all the laydowns and similar structures that the largemouth do. And it's just, it's kind of challenging up there. The water is super, super clear in Merwin, and uh, 
Oh, so they so, can see you as fast yeah, as you can see if you, them. If you see them, chances are that fish is not going to bite. It's the biters you get or you don't see. But, boy, when you get one that is coming hot for your bait, and it, it's a thrill. Especially, you know, I've caught several fish doing the, uh, the figure eight. If you don't know what that is, when you run, your lure gets up close to the boat and you got a musky following it, instead of just pulling it out, you you run it around in a circle or do a figure eight and trying to get that reaction strike off the muskie and they'll they'll hit it hit that bait when it turns and it's it's quite a thrill when you you get one to hit like that and what's the most successful bait you've used i've done well with swim baits and bucktail spinners up there but they're big aren't the baits are big aren't they uh merwin the water's so clear i actually probably get more follows and reactions out of smaller they're probably three four inch baits the swim baits are four to five inch baits and when you when you land one of those i mean are you, do you pull it out of the water and take a picture of it or is it something you need to keep in the water how yeah it, I, when i first started doing i was probably mishandling fish trying to hold their they're so long that when you're by yourself Trying to take a selfie with them, it's, it's not the best way to do. Hold, trying to hold them vertical, so I've I've got away from doing that. But yes, yeah, so you, you, there are fish that you need to support their body length if you pick them up and out of the water. So yeah, there is a length you can keep, isn't there? But I mean, not many people do. They have to be fifty inches or longer to keep, and you can keep one. You can but keep one. I release them all. It's it's just fun to do, and it's it's quite a rush when you get one of those big boys. What's the longest one you've gotten? I haven't really taped them. I need to make a bump board for doing that because they're all exceed the, the size of the bump board I have that I use for bass. But mm-hmm. I'm approximately four feet. Oh wow! Four feet long. Yeah. And do they fight long, or do they get tired pretty fast? I've had some that have come right in, but they you get a big one on you'll you'll know it. They'll they'll pull you around and. They, they'll bulldog you. Oh, okay. It's it's, it's it's quite a fun fun I, fish to do. I have not tried it. Uh, what uh, what line and are you using a bass rod or? I use yes. I use uh, a heavy action, basically a seven foot heavy action flipping rod is what I use for them. They have a very hard mouth, so that you when you set the hook, you really got to put it into them. Their their mouths are really hard and bony, oh. and they're and they also got a mouthful of teeth, so. Oh, they do have a mouthful of Use a 50-pound braided line, main line, and um, like a six-inch long steel leader. Oh, wow. I did not know that. Well, I'll have to, I'm going to have to try that one of these days. I have not, uh, I've not tried it. You should. It's, 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 a, it's a thrill when you get one going. You'll see a lot of fish that you don't get. Just like I say, the water is very clear there. Yeah. You'll see them laying on the logs and that. But it's the ones that you don't see are the ones that, they're the biters. They're the biters. Now, I know that you have, uh, we've talked about this in the past a little bit, but you have kind of, I don't want to say switched over to kayak fishing, but you have a kayak and you've been taking it fishing. Tell me a little bit about kayak fishing compared to boat fishing. Uh, it's it's different. Uh, I have to learn to take a lot less stuff, <laughs> which is kind of hard for me. I'm, I mean, if, you, if you look at my boat when I'm fishing by myself, it is just packed down it's actually kind of funny because I have so much stuff in there then end up using three rods and one package of baits. But, but it is what it is. <laughs> um, so, I, yeah, I've got to kind of look at where I'm going and kind of plan out my strategy and pack 
accordingly for kayak. But it is it is fun. It was different. I went out a few weeks ago and fished a small lake on the Washington side along the Columbia River and caught a really really nice smallmouth out of it. Oh, nice kayak. So, and do you notice that the casting is different from a kayak than it, than it is from your boat? It, yeah, I do gravitate more towards the spinning gear. Uh, just because it's easier to do while you're sitting low to the water, rather. But I usually carry around at least one casting rod. For huh? and I've seen a lot of uh, kayak fishermen that will sidearm uh, a lot of their cast to keep the boat from from uh, moving. And do you try that, or are you still overhand casting? Uh, I'm a natural sidearmer for most of my casting, anyway. So. Oh, okay. It's not a problem for me. Uh, my boat, the my, the kayak I have is a fishing model. It's very wide and stable, so yeah. it's not a problem for me. I could actually probably stand up in it all right. And, and here in the past, well, I don't know, year or so, what's your favorite uh, trip that you've taken for fishing? Uh, well, last year I worked so much that I didn't really get... Um, Good, but I just have to say, last fall when the club went to Silver Lake, and uh, Rich Tomlinson and I went out early in the morning, and I caught one five and a half pounder, and then about fifteen minutes later, he caught a seven pounder, and that would have been my highlight highlight day for last year. Yeah, that was a really interesting trip because uh, there was a lot of people there. Now you were, the, I think you were one of the few that brought a boat, but wasn't the weather Kind of iffy, if I remember right. Uh, no, the weather was good. That it was the spring trip when we went to Silver oh. Lake was when we had the big cold front move in. It really shut the bite down on us. Okay. Uh, but then you went back out that afternoon with another club member. Did you catch more fish in the afternoon too? I caught a few fish uh, after I dropped Rich off. I caught a few by myself, and I lost another really, really nice one mm-hmm. out from under a dock that kind of got me trapped in the, the little cross members of the dock and I was on the wrong side of the dock and it was on the other side so and I, I kind of broke it off and I, I wheeled around and I could still see it hung up there and then I tried to net it and it popped it off so which, which is actually good so the fish was able to get away ah, okay. uh, and then yeah we did I, I took another member out in the evening and we caught a few nothing, nothing real big that day but we got a little bit of action cool yeah that is uh, that is really a, a neat story. That that was a really nice outing. I, I wish more of us had brought boats, but we didn't. So for fishing on your own, what's your, your favorite go-to spot? What's your, your favorite lake? Oh, I like... I like Lacamas for a quick trip. I, if I don't have a whole much time, I'll run Lacamas because I... Kind of got all of my spots mapped out, so I can make a quick ring around that. So, like I say, I work a lot of hours, so a lot of times my trips are quick. And I'm when I do fish Lacamas, I'm not looking for numbers. I'm looking for a big bite. Um, Silver Lake, I love. I like Silver Lake a lot in the spring. Colby Lake has been one of my favorite fall lakes. Uh, I've done really well there in the fall. Oh, uh, I. I... I did not realize that you fished that more towards the fall. Now, Cullaby Lake, for those who are listening, is uh, north of Seaside, south of Astoria, Oregon, over on Highway 101. I do not recall if you have to pay to to, uh, launch your boat there. Yes, you do. It's a county park. Unfortunately, the 
park doesn't open up till 8 a.m., so you kind of miss that early, early morning bite. But the boat ramp is in a pay pay park. Mm. Uh, so, and is is Lackamas Lake also a pay? No, Lackamas Lake is free. Is free. Okay, and that's over in uh, uh, Clark County, kind of the Vancouver area for those who are listening, so that you'll know where we're talking about. Well, this has been great. We've uh, been talking a little fishing, and I hope that uh, for those that are that are listening out there who are not fishing, uh, maybe some of your stories will inspire them that the minute we open up the uh, the world, we can get after it. Any final words? Oh, just, you know, as soon as things are open up, this, this is the time of year to catch your biggest fish of the year, or you get those big pre-spawn female bass, and it's time to go get them so as soon as you can get out get after them for both largemouth and smallmouth well keep an eye on scott turley on facebook uh he does post some really nice pictures of large fish and uh, scott thanks for stopping by bet it was a pleasure being here today well i'd like to thank scott for stopping by and talking fishing and bass today i know that as soon as we're over with this uh quarantine that Scott will be back out fishing and looking for the large fish. Well, may I ask that if you enjoyed the podcast, that you click on the link in the show notes that will take you to Anchor FM. From there, please click on the support button. We could use your support to offset some of the cost of the podcast as the equipment and the travel have gotten a little bit more expensive. And for show ideas or feedback, email me at gonefishingpdx at gmail.com. If you'd like to be on the show, shoot me an email, gonefishingpdx at gmail.com. Well, I'd like to thank everybody for stopping by today, and hopefully we're all staying safe during the coronavirus. Well, until next time, this has been Don Clark, talking bass in PDX, and I'll see you on the backcast. <laughs>